1: Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The Star Wars universe is constantly expanding. But how the heck are you going to keep tabs on it without a holocron? And where in the rim can I score the juiciest news and rumors? Ah, you seek State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. We dig into the Sarlacc pit of the internet for the hottest intel in the galaxy far, far away. Make Indiana Jones inquiries and keep watch for the latest on Willow. Find us on consequenceofsound.net or wherever you procure fine podcasts. It's the show you're looking for.
0: Consequence Podcast Network.
1: Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, Go ahead and take a second to hit the subscribe button right now so you can keep up with this series and all of the interviews that we put out here. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest is Mark Arm of the Mighty Mud Honey. Mud Honey have a new record called Digital Garbage. We're going to talk about the political themes that made its way into the record, uh, how it talks about social media's dark side, uh, the church and school shootings, and uh, and how the media is all a part of this too. Then we'll turn back the clock to 1998, talk about their record Tomorrow Hit Today. It was my first Mudhoney record, and there's a song on there called Poison Water that was on the Tommy Boys soundtrack before it came out, so he's going to give us some stories about being on the Tommy Boys set with Chris Farley. We'll even hit on the 93 uh, EP, $5 Bob's Mock Cooter Stew. It's all in the interview, Kyle Meredith with Mudhoney. Oh, hey, Kyle, this is Mark. I've loved what I've heard so far from the new record, Digital Garbage. I mean, it's it's sort of taken aim at a lot, which, you know, is what you do. You take aim at a lot of, uh, of what's going on in the world throughout your whole career. This one seems a bit more, I don't know if vicious is the word, because it's not like you're being mean, you're just being reflective. But, I mean, there's a lot to talk about, right?
0: Right. There's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff that's going on right now. And I would feel like I wasn't doing my part if I was just ignoring it and trying to sing love songs or something like that. <laughs> I actually wish the situation wasn't the way it was and I wouldn't and I would be free to sing I don't know about sea breezes and walks on the beach or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I don't know. I mean there's um you know always something to kind of uh, put in the side. I, to, mean, I guess. Although I don't think the that would really
0: fly it in a landlocked area like yours.
1: No, not so much. <laughs> I, I do say, you know, we we're we're uh, we're a river town. We have the Ohio River and it's that's the Kentucky Ocean, so I tried my best. <laughs> now, were were these songs written after the election? And and I ask only because there were still lots of there was some bad shit happening even before then too that was you know newsworthy.
0: Right, right, right. I know these songs were all like we started writing these songs in February of uh, twenty seventeen, okay. and actually we, we we had a couple of riffs bouncing around before then but we didn't really get to it and like kind of before the election I was just like man I can't wait for this thing to be over with so I won't have to fucking think about this anymore you know and just clear my mind and and sing about like you know the life we lead or whatever you know nothing you know something that might be more I don't know universal or that uh would maybe not seem dated in time but there's just there's just no way once Trump was elected and the first few months, the first few months to me were like super scary and I think the only thing that saved things from going as terribly as I thought they might is due to incompetence. I thought like for sure they were going to be like majorly cracking down on people and there's people like Jeff Sessions in the cabinet and there's people who have been competent at dismantling things like Scott Pruitt at the EPA, but you know they're also some of them are uh, totally corrupt and can't keep from sticking their fingers in the cookie jar, <laughs> and that comes back to bite them in the ass, which is great. But you know, it's not—it's <laughs> not an ideal situation. But it's just kind of the record that we felt we had to make at this time.
1: I mean, you, you talked about you know a song still being relevant years later, which you you've still really pulled off because you, you're talking about specific events, you know, but. It, it it's still kind of painted in a way that, you know, doesn't completely say, oh, this happened on January 12th of, 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 you know.
0: Right, right, right. I mean, there's things that I'm dealing with in this record that go back to my time in like a Christian high school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right.
0: you know In the 70s. So, you know, it's an ongoing thing. I guess, unfortunately, some of that stuff will be relevant for probably way too long.
1: I mean yeah cuz uh, you know specific events though you tackle Charlottesville on the record there's the uh, the the church shootings I mean how do you how do you go about writing about that I mean is is it just out of pure anger and you let the words fly
0: uh well you know I wasn't going to just write about the church shooting until like, uh, a friend of mine forwarded me this link of uh a Fox News host or someone on Fox and Friends I don't know who they are uh, saying well you know at least if these people were going to die, at least they, you know, died in church where they're ready to go. You know, anything to not talk about, like, any kind of gun regulation or background checks, anything to let the NRA off the hook. You know, let's look, let's put a bright spin on this. You know, people just got massacred, but at least they were in a church. You know, and that was, that was so sickening to me that, like, within a day I had that song. It, well, you know, it's not like, you know, when the shooting happened in Las Vegas, I had a song about that or anything like that. Or the school shooting is in Parkland. I mean, that's just an one of many, many more. And so I was just trying to look at this terribleness and, uh, I don't know, kind of mock it, I guess. Right. Which is, is it's, it's kind of impotent, but it's all I've got.
1: Well, the media these days, it factors so much even into the actual events. As you say, you know, this came from Fox and Friends. You know, and, and, and I work in a building that we share, you know, uh, our sister stations is an NPR station. So I'm I'm in that world a lot of time, too. Uh,
2: right.
1: And I know that sort of factors into how all this is, because it's not just that an event happens. It's also how it's always portrayed and how it's reported in, in the news of how it comes out, which is it shouldn't be that way. You know, I you know, we used to have I feel like. You know, we used to have John Stewart, at least, you know, on call to kind of call out the news stations <laughs> when this stuff would happen, and, and it, it just feels like sort of crazy and wild right now, and uh, that makes it into this record as well, doesn't it?
0: Well, I mean, it, th- there's still, like, you know, Trevor Noah at The Daily Show, and, and you know, some of the late-night comedians that, like, call this stuff out, but there used to be, you know, when I was growing up, there, I mean, <laughs> I'm so old, I remember <laughs> there were three main networks in, around the world, and then public, you know, broadcasting. And so, like, everyone kind of got the news in a, it was sort of pretty objective, and everyone relied on the same facts, and there wasn't, like, this whole, I mean, there were conspiracy theories that were floating around, but they didn't spread like wildfire, you know, Um, and not that many people bought into them. You know, the people who, like, believed the Rothschilds ran the world were just, like, few and far between and, and pretty crazy,
1: Never giving that uh, that podium that they get now. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, that sort of comes up in the first single too, doesn't it? Paranoid core because that's what right. I feel like it just incites that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly what that's all about.
1: I'll bring up another uh, of the singles too. The, you know, the second one we've heard with "Kill Yourself Live." That on the other side now. Now you've got the actual events. You've got the media cycle, and now you've got the social angle which is this holy trifecta of, of where we are right now. How did that one come about?
0: Oh, you know, <laughs> I guess um, I'm not on social media, but, you know, I've, I've observed people who are, you know, including my wife, <laughs> friends and family. Uh, you know, and it just kind of amazes me how excited people get when, like, you know, like people are talking about something they posted. <laughs> I, you the I mean, line. I, it all I understand it. I understand it. You know, I I've feel the same way like when you know a song of ours goes up and pe- people talk about it. it's like oh that's awesome people are paying attention but it's uh it's nothing i'm gonna like uh, adjust my point of view or my way of life or anything towards i was that you're you're
1: you know in a way very lucky to come from the era that you did uh i'm a few years younger than you you know i i came of age in the in the 90s and and when all the you know when all that was really becoming a part of our lives in a huge, huge way, uh, you know, for you to to sort of be outside of that, I envy that in <laughs> a strong way. You
0: well, know, you know, I, th- I think like, I think every generation except maybe the baby boomers thinks like their generation kind of missed out on something. I was just like, you know, I miss the 60s. I mean, I was alive then, but I was like a child. And so, like, in the 70s, it's like, man, it would have been so cool to, like, go to Woodstock or take acid on the hate or something (laughs) like that. You know, like, I really missed out on all these great bands. You know, here I am stuck with Sticks and Foreigner. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, that can happen to any generation, you know, on on some level. I wish in some ways that, like, I'd grown up with computers, like... You know, people younger than me did, too, because then they just, you know, know how to work them very well, and I still have to struggle with Excel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, that's what I'm saying, you know, to be a new band right now, it's 100% part of your life, Uh, and and I'm not saying anything new, you know, the, the Internet's been around now for a few decades, so... Right, um, but but it, it's so like it, it's not that you can just write a song. And of course, the flip side of that, you know, when Mod Honey was coming up, you know, when G- Green River was a thing, that was you all were just stuck in the Pacific Northwest. You know, the the little hope of getting out of that meant you had to work your butt off touring. And that's also the flip side of this. You know, now you can make a demo in your in your bedroom, and it's heard around the world, and you're you know a star in a week or something like that. But
0: maybe there's a lot of people who are recording in their bedrooms and posting stuff who don't get the attention. <laughs> I mean the chances of that are are pretty slim. Yeah. I will say without not being everyone can come up with chocolate rain. <laughs> and
1: that in itself shows how often you're not on the internet because what a already dated reference that is. <laughs> no, no,
0: I know I know I know that's a, I know that's a super dated reference. That's a beautiful just... <laughs>
1: dated reference. It is. It's a beautiful. <laughs> I think maybe the speed of the internet, you know, usually you'd have to wait like 20 years to have a, you know, something become funny, cool again to bring up, but maybe it's just like nine years now. So it's two, right, two right. years. <laughs>
0: no. Chocolate rain. Um, no, but I mean, that was just a funny example of like, I mean, I don't think people were like listening to that necessarily because they thought it was awesome. I think a lot yeah. of people thought it was like goofy and weird. Right. Yeah. But I guess there are some, you know, like bands that get signed just solely based on their online presence.
1: It happens. It yeah. does happen. I mean, without being hyperbolic, you know, lots of the... Uh, this doesn't exactly hit what you just said right there, but lots of the doomy science fiction from the 70s and 80s, the things that those authors would have written about, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and the movies of the 80s, it does seem like it's, it's sort of here, and I'm tying that back around into, you know, a song like Kill Yourself Live. You know, that, that stuff does so, seem like it's happening.
0: Right. Yeah, it's not, it's not that kind of uh, plugged-into-cyberspace like matrix kind of thing or philip k dick sort of world yet but uh you know there is a, a I, I guess it you know I, I don't know if people like really how i can, how was how much was social media anticipated i know like the internet obviously was but
1: well it's there's the, like you know when you talk about i've heard you talk about with this song you know one of the points being like there you know there was a person who who killed himself you know live on facebook or, or murdered someone else live on facebook whatever that was uh Not to trivialize that, I don't mean whatever that was, but...
0: No, no, no. right, but, uh, you know, there's also the aftermath of Philando Castile getting shot and that being posted on Facebook Live.
1: Right, and and I'm thinking back to, you know, some of those sci-fi movies from the 70s and 80s where it would be, you know, sort of in the, maybe in the Roman style, you know, they'd put them on TV, you know, like... Like Running Man or something like that, you oh, know, where right, it was right, the right, of stuff. Right. And that that's sort of, I find the parallel in there, like, no, that's sort of happening in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah. it, it It's not quite the same because in those days there still were only, like, three networks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in, in that world, people were, like, everybody was focused on the same thing. Yeah. Like, right now, there's just so many different things to grab your attention.
1: I'll position away, uh, pivot away a little bit from that, uh, just to, to hit on the music of that single, too, because... That intro, I mean, you, you guys have had you know some keys before, but I wasn't expecting that organ. And it's such a cool intro. Was, is that just like a jam, or or how did that come about? Because I love it.
0: That was uh, originally Guy, our bass player's riff, and when Steve started playing the guitar, he was kind of picking it and it reminded us of Gut Feeling by Devo, and we're like, hey, why don't we do a Gut Feeling intro? Yeah. <laughs> that's all that was. <laughs> I wanted to do it on a synthesizer, but we couldn't uh, we didn't have access to a synthesizer with like a big enough keyboard to make it work, so we ended up just doing it on a farfisa organ, which always sounds great to me
1: yeah no I, I loved it like I said you know the stuff we've heard from this record so far you know to to be able to kind of pull this stuff out thirty years on i mean you know that's that's not nothing a lot of bands don't get that opportunity and and it's really amazing to hear you guys doing it. Well, if you got a few more moments, though, I, I did want to hit back on a couple other records I had a few questions about. Sure. And uh, so, tomorrow hit today uh, turns twenty years old this year, and it's an important record to me because that was the one that 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 was my sort of introduction to you all. Like I'd heard some songs here and there, but it wasn't until that one and that whole album that I just dove in and became a, a Mudhoney fan.
0: Well, that was a good one to, to, <laughs> to uh, make it your own for sure. That was, it was sort of looked
1: at, you know, I, I went back and I read a lot of the reviews from the time, the reviews that came out at that point, and everybody said this was sort of your blues record. I mean, you had Jim Dickinson producing it. I, I, is that the way it was meant to be heard?
0: Oh, I don't know. You know, <laughs> people make up, uh, you know, people will see like Jim Dickinson's name on that on that record and kind of, I guess, jump to conclusions I mean, there were some. There's some slide guitar on it, but I mean, that kind of blues thing was with us since the very beginning. Like "Sweet Young Thing" is a slidey blues punk thing, you know. Yeah. No, I think that record was actually, you know, it, it, it was. It's unfortunate that record came out at the time that it did because it was in, you know, as the big G was in total decline. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at the t- that time, like people were even saying things like rock and roll and it's dead and you know the new thing is this electronic dance music you know like at the time it was like Prodigy and the Crystal Method and you know things like that I mean you've heard stuff about rock and roll being dead over and over again since the 50s since the 50s yeah and the idea the idea that any form of music is dead is just absurd to me it's maybe not going to be in like the popular culture but that's fine you know as long as some kids are like bashing away in a garage somewhere that's alive right there for that kid. I mean,
1: Mudhoney never exactly had to compete with the mainstream. I mean, although there was the groundswell of the sound that I'm sure, you know, gave you all a, a brighter spotlight. That was just sort of
0: weird happenstance, I think, that, like, I think it was all about location, location, and timing.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, we were never meant to be, just listen to us. We were never meant to be like a big radio band. <laughs> <laughs> and that was never anything that we were aiming for.
1: But, you know, when the opportunity's there, and I guess what I'm getting to, you know, so, you know, the the, the grunge thing had waned, and now we're getting even into the post-grunge thing, and, and electronic and rap rock is right around the corner from this. And when you come out with a record, uh, like Tomorrow, Hit Today, was there ever a sense that when it came out, you thought that you noticed at that point, like, I wonder if this isn't going to be what we hope it is, or, or the label hopes it is or something?
0: of had a feeling this was like our last thing that we would be doing with a major label our A&R guy who David Katznelson was always in our corner and fought really really hard for us but he was fighting against a new uh head of A&R who actually wanted to drop us before we got to record and I'm glad that didn't happen only because we wouldn't have had the budget to do a record like that had we been dropped you know like this is the first and only record that we've that we actually used a major label budget on. We had major label budgets before, but we would always like, what we didn't spend in the studio, we would get to keep the back end. Oh, yeah. And the deal was set up with for our third record, which was the first option, that whatever we didn't use in the back end that the record company would keep. So we were just like, well, we might as well just blow all of this. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a hell of a record. It really is. You know, I, I still, when I go back and listen to it, I mean, I had to laugh. You know, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite singles that you guys did. It's... You know, just And it goes through there, and I will fight no more forever. Luckily, right. it's not your own mantra, by the way. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and I did want to ask the story about Poison Water, because that had sort of reared its head, what, a year or two before? That's the song you played in the movie Tommy Boy,
0: right? Yeah, we'd actually wrote that uh, shortly after My Brother the Cow. You know, just didn't quite make it in time for that record, so... <laughs> and when Tommy Boy came out, they, hey, you want? We have a new song. I guess this will work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was it like on that set? I mean, is, is there any memories that stand out of being
0: around you know Farley and Spade? Uh, Spade wasn't around, but Farley was. Obviously, we were doing scenes with him, and he was super funny. And but he it was odd that like he would do these steals, and sometimes almost just we were like as an audience, like he was just trying to crack us up. And the crew and everyone, you know, yeah, he was going over, uh, this, we're, we're just sort of standing around. He was going over, uh, like his entrance to one of the scenes with Pen- Penelope Sirius and, uh, you know, he's like, "How about if I do this? How about just kept like his suggestions kept getting crazier and crazier, and we're just standing there going like, you know, like kind of listening. And then he's like, what do I have to do to get a laugh out of you guys?'" <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. I thought you were serious. <laughs> and uh, Gary Busey was on set for some reason, even though he wasn't shooting that day. Oh, oh. <laughs> that was kind of weird.
2: Sure, that'll cause. Like, oh, moments. they let
0: Gary on.
1: <laughs> That's a great scene. I mean, it's still one of those you know great scenes of '90s movies. You know, especially it's with, pretty funny. Yeah, you know, nothing out like a good yelling out of "Kill Whitey" every now and then to, uh, to get the party <laughs> really going. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Um, and, I, and I'll just kind of you know final point here, uh, hitting that uh, you know EP five dollar Bob's uh, Makuta stew turning 25 this year as well. Uh, oh, good so, Lord. yeah, just sort of one of those. Track of that. Yeah, well, that's what I say. It's sort of one of those in between lost little moments in the catalog, you know. Which, I, you know, I thought, you know, it's an EP between LPs and, you know, some of the stuff was old and some of the stuff was new. But but that was, I mean, to be released in 93, that really was right in the middle of that explosion. And then you're like, and here's something else. Uh, did that feel just like a, I don't know, a toss-off is the right word, but... Uh
0: it it kind of was. We knew that we weren't going to be ready to record another record for a while, but we had, you know, like I think it was like four songs. And, um... The aforementioned David Nelson suggested we go in and do an EP and record those four songs. And I think later on, a couple more B-sides were added to it to kind of flesh it out. <laughs> yeah. And the songs were really diverse. Like, there's sort of a country thing, and there's like kind of a Hawkwind thing, you know? And it just like, I think with just those couple of songs, it sounded really disjointed. But if it was a full record, there would be more songs like the other ones that would kind of go in between and fill the gaps, I think. So I don't know, it, it it's it's not a standalone great record to me.
1: Just kinda of, you know if you, if you got the big I mean, shuffle. I,
0: I have no problem with any of the songs on there, but just as like a whole right record, it just seems kind of disjointed.
1: I found the um the press release to Tomorrow Hit Today. I forgot I was gonna mention this earlier. Uh I don't know who wrote this. Uh I'd like to read you the first paragraph though. that's that's how I'll close this thing out here. <laughs> uh what's there to say about the new Mud Honey album? That it's good? Yeah, well, Mark Arm, Steve Turner, Dan Peters, and the irrepressible Matt Lucan are still uh, still our mud honey. And we are getting paid to express the self-evident truths that the shadowy knights of the new, new super-heavy punk, the sinister ministers of the land of designer lattes, desert beers, memory-sucking software, and whatever, never mind, and, oh, Lord, give us this day their indie cred, are 110 proof that not all rock bands are creating sequels. It is a beautifully written piece, right there.
0: Yeah, I think that was Don Waller. Yeah, that is
1: perfect wordplay. Uh, if press releases still sounded like that uh, in my email box every day, I might read half of them.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, the unfortunate thing to me about press releases is that they just end up getting uh, copied verbatim. You know, like, uh, there's just so such a lack of imagination out there. It's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> that's
1: true. Uh, I will I will use that as a seg to say that doesn't count for Mud Honey though. Uh, what you guys do, I love it. And uh, again, man, thanks for the conversation today and uh, and Digital Garbage and everything that's going on. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to hear what the tour sounds like and and all the rest. Awesome. Thank you, Mark, and I will see you around.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. All right,
1: man. Take care. Bye. Huge thanks to Mark Arm of Mud Honey, and again, their new record, Digital Garbage, is out now. Uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Keep up with these interviews, whether you're uh, listening on YouTube or you're checking out the podcast at iTunes or Podchaser, wherever you get it from. Subscribe, give it a rating, leave a review. Then you're going to head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you'll also find some bonus episodes of this series. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.